Okay. Uh, this is Michael Lazaro. Um, I wrote an essay called Heart of Dorkness, How Dr. Demento Saved My Bony White Ass. Um, and uh, Joel, you want to? You wanna... I'm Joel Drucker. <laughs> I'm part of Los Angeles in the 70s, and I wrote a story called The Making of a Tennis Player about growing up in Los Angeles playing tennis during the 70s. So, uh, Michael, I was... Uh, uh, yeah, go no, it, it, it occurred to me that uh, were you born in 1960? Because I, 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 I noticed that I think we got our, I, we got our driver's licenses about three months apart. So I, 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 I guess that uh, we were probably born in the same year. Um, and it, it's funny, um, having read your essay and having had parents that uh, were swept up in the in, in the 70s tennis craze in LA. In fact, my dad is 87 years old, still plays twice a week. Um, oh, really? Where does your dad play? Long. Right now, he plays primarily doubles, rather slowly, although he's still... Uh, where does your dad play these days? <laughs> oh, where does he play? Yeah. In, uh, in Whittier, in Whittier, okay. uh, Friendly Hills. Okay. Uh, oh, you that's... probably have played. I played a junior tournament in Whittier in 1974 yeah, I played it about four or five times a tournament in, in Whittier. There was a one place I played that had metal nets, which was quite an interesting experience. Um, I played a junior uh, tournament there in Whittier, Whittier in 1974. Yeah, that sounds about right. That, and, a... uh, that sounds right. February 1974. Did you ever play, yep. in, uh, did you ever, ever play in Fullerton at, uh, at, at Sunny Hills? I played at Fullerton. I played at Cal State Fullerton. There was a tournament there. If I had a, if I had a dollar for every minute I spent on a Cal State campus at a tennis tournament i could buy you dinner oh <laughs> <laughs> um, for sure so your dad that's funny that your dad uh your dad well it was quite the sport my mom's 87 she just stopped playing because she ran out of people to play with but uh yeah that was quite the time <laughs> and place for tennis when we were growing up it was happening it was a wildfire sport then yeah, it was. It was funny because, uh, I mean, my sports were really track and basketball, but because the rest of my family was, was so swept up in it, I got kind of pulled along as well. And so for the early part of the 70s, I had kind of one, one, one foot in the sport as well. And so I thought, geez, you know, he's, Joel's played in an awful lot of places where I've played, and, you know, we're the same age. And Yeah, what are you, March geez, 1960? Ever... Yep. So, well, would you have played, uh, yep. if you'd played junior tournaments, we might have crossed paths. Otherwise, you know, it's I funny. Did, we grew actually. up. I did, I, I, I did play a few, yeah. And I'm wondering, gee, I wonder if we ever played against each other or with each other, uh, you know, or had, a, you know, a burger and a Coke after a match. But, um, and you went to uni, correct? That's right. Why? Do you know people? Yeah. And then you went to UCLA? I did, yeah. So I'm yeah, guessing I left. We probably if, uh, if if we you know if we played uh, yeah I mean, name geography long enough we'd probably come up with a, with a few common hits fairly fairly soon but yeah maybe you know, it's funny you grew up in a, it's funny we grew up in like opposite ends of the L.A. then boy you here in Whittier in the 70s that's a, that's an interesting city I, that's uh given the 70s and the um, more or less hometown of the of the president <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, yeah, it was a little bit traumatic under the circumstances, um, but 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 yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it was kind of a dubious honor. Uh, didn't start off that way, but um, 
you know, by the time I started paying attention to those sorts of things, it was sort of like, uh, it was funny when, uh, when Nixon was elected, there were signs all over the city, you know, Whittier, hometown of Richard Nixon. And by, you know, 72, 73, both, boy, those signs were gone. Um, <laughs> you know, they were no You know, in those found. days, in those days when we were growing up, Whittier was, um, that was like red state Los Angeles. You know, I grew up in, I grew up in blue state Los Angeles, right? I mean, you're growing up southeast of downtown, right? Whittier yeah, is southeast of however, downtown. it's interesting, though. I mean, that, that's the perception, but the reality was actually really kind of different. I mean, I, 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 when I was growing up there, I thought, God, what a, what a parochial, shitty place. I got to get out of here, you know? Um, mm-hmm. uh, but point of fact, you know, I, I went to a, a racially pretty diverse high school um mm-hmm. and you know even then it was a, a pretty heavy uh latino and asian population uh, and this was even in the mid and late 70s and mm-hmm. we went to school with each other frankly going back to kindergarten and we socialized we dated we hung out we partied um, mm-hmm. And it was interesting because when I went, you know, and hung out with friends who were at the LA Unified schools, there was a great deal of self-segregation that, that actually wasn't right. happening in the schools in Whittier, which I thought was really kind of interesting, kind of shocked me to tell you the truth. Um, well, the you know, LA world is more um, stratified. <laughs> it is. And, but, but nevertheless, it really sort of surprised me because I'm like, wow, you know, in, in, in a sense, we were, you know, I, we, we weren't as backward and, and as non-progressive as I thought. Um, yeah, it was kind of a, it was sort of interesting. I have, you know, a bit of a greater appreciation for Whittier after I'd left. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. So, so what was it that drew you to the, your thoughts about the, the music and kind of the satire aspect that you come out in your piece, you know, the whole role of Dr. Demento. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that, about how how that came to be something that you valued and ended up writing about? You know, it's funny. I hadn't thought about that for probably 30-plus years. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, David Kukoff, you, of course, know, who edited, uh, you know, Los Angeles in the 70s, Weird Scenes Inside the Gold Mine. Um kind of was putting out feelers and he happened to mention Dr. Demento. And I said, Oh, gee whiz. Um, because I recalled what a big deal it was. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly for, for, for me and the kids that I went to school with and, you know, it was a bit of a lifeline for me. It, it I discovered it, you know, as I mentioned in the essay at a time when, uh, you know, I was really feeling under the gun. I'd been out of the public school system for four years um, because I was, you know, as I mentioned in the essay, I was asked to leave. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I had two very severe learning disabilities, dyslexia and mm-hmm. dysgraphia, and, you know, the right. wheels fell off the wagon. And uh, so I was being sort of mainstreamed back into the, the public school system in junior high. And I was scared to death. And... Uh, um, I literally on the, on the eve of going back was when I discovered Dr. Demento and it just blew me away. And it was completely by chance. 
and discovering that first day of school that, oh, wow, this is like wildly popular. And it was sort of, you know, my entree into this new terrifying world of, of, of public school. And it was sort of, you know, it gave me some currency, it gave me some, you know, uh, you know, like I said, it was an entree to this whole new deal. Um, I wonder, I wonder people in other parts funny. of the country, I, it's always interesting. And I see in this anthology, a lot of us, myself included, we're, we're drawing our meaning from these uh, pop culture things that are extant and actually produced where we live. I wonder, I wonder if you did an anthology about growing up in Chicago in the 70s or growing up in Detroit or um, let's just hold off New York or, or Waterloo, Iowa, <laughs> if that would be as prevalent. You know, because there's, there's such an aspect of a public iconography we're in the time and place when we were growing up, right? Of connecting it to a, to a person of note, right? Whether an athlete yeah. or a thing. I wonder, I wonder if that's part of the, the flavor of, of LA always. I mean, it obviously is, but I wonder if that's only indigenous to LA or is that just as true well, for kids who grow up in Jacksonville or wherever? <laughs> well, I mean, that's a really interesting question because, uh, you know, Demento, as you may or may not remember, ultimately became nationally syndicated. And right. my future wife... Yeah, but it's ours. But it was uh, ours. You know what I mean? It, it is, for sure, it became it nationally syndicated. It's like, oh. and, and, and I, I remember actually being a little bit offended and pissed off when it went national. I'm wait a minute. Right. Now, wait a minute. This is KMUT. This was like, you know, this is our guy. Why? Right. You know, what, what's, what's this shit? Come on. Uh, you know, it was very proprietary. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, my wife, who was in the south side of Chicago, was, was huddled around her radio with her friends, listening to those very same shows, you know. And uh, I wonder if they uh, wrote their piece. So that's, I wonder that's if they a wrote really their piece. Interesting piece. question. Yeah, you raise an interesting so question. Much, so much. On the other hand, on the other hand, I think a lot of us contributors are involved in. I don't know, the place makes the subject and the subject makes the place. And we all come out of this, mm-hmm. we're all from this LA of this, this pop culture factory and end up having jobs that are kind of somewhat related to it. I, I don't know. I just, I, I wonder about that. It makes me think about the whole aspect of kind of the LA literary culture. I, I like that this book has some thoughtful pieces that aren't necessarily noir or dystopian, like the classic way a lot of literature about LA is, which bugs me at a certain point. Right. But right. You know, like your thing, you're writing about being a kid. You're writing about being a kid and trying to find your way in the world, right? Absolutely. Which I wanted to ask you about. Was, was, was tennis sort of, you know, I, 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 there were parts of your essay that, that sort of resonated for me in that sense. I mean, uh, for me, uh, I, I mean, you know, track basketball and to a limited extent tennis was, was sort of, that was my respite. That was my way of getting away from um, a minefield of an academic situation of a of a home situation that was also pretty explosive um, you know that was the respite that was the um, you know that was a refuge and I'm mm-hmm. curious if if, 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 if if tennis was sort of that for you or if it was purely just this sort of blissful pastime that never you know none of that ever entered into it you know I, um, no, I wouldn't it, purely, it's not I just, love, just love to play the game period Tennis was um, the way, the nature of the sport of a competitive thing like that. You can't, it's, it's not blissful because it's highly competitive. And like I pointed out in the piece, I was playing lots and lots of people and it was all very 
outcome focused about are you any good? Can you beat this person? Can you beat that person? It was a lot of raw one-on-one competition all the time. Even when I got to high school and our team, we were always playing each other and they were challenge matches all every time it counted. So we, we didn't really, we transacted tennis business together, but we weren't really a team working together because we were kind of trying to beat each other every single, all the time. Nice. And tennis for me, I think it was, I think it was a thing that I could own in a way I was, I'd like sports. I played Pop Warner football and other sports where it was a, I think you could ha- I could have complete ownership of. So that was a pretty neat thing. And, and the thing is, and I explain this to people who played the game before and since it was cool. It was happening. It was, it, it was, it wasn't, it, it wasn't counter to anything. It was a thing. It was in the, it was in the water. And so it was kind of like, well, yeah. lots of people are playing tennis. Sure. So get on with it. And that was really neat to be riding that wave. I mean, to just, it's funny when I look back writing the piece, I was, wow, I guess as independent as I am, I'm kind of a creature of my times. I, in the seventies, I went to a lot of those, a lot of movies. I played tennis. I did Est, you know, I'm kind of a creature of a lot of that stuff. <laughs> well, um, well you, you did it at a high school. I mean, you did Est in a very unconventional true. way. That is true, but nonetheless, unconventional way, extremely unconventional. But so tennis was, you know, but on the other hand, it was something calling me an asshole too, but never a teacher, you know, (laughs) in the context of a class. Oh God, they didn't even know. They didn't even tell us it was a class. They just told us right away we were assholes. (laughs) So tennis was a way to have an identity. And that was pretty, that was pretty neat because I think, you know, I wonder, and I've been working on some fiction about this alternative. So I wonder if there's a need, a need in our time and place to create some identity because there's so many identities around, you know, not just, not just people working, but people becoming famous and significant and billboards on Sunset Boulevard and the whole LA-ness of it all compels a kid to have a meaning, a significance. I, I don't know about that. Oh, I do know, you know about that because, let me, you know, I, absolutely. Look, when you have so little, I mean, sometimes your personal mystique is all you got. <laughs> And, right. you know, for me, it was being a really talented white sprinter on, on a team that was all African-American, you know, and being good at it, you know, and in high school advancing the state. I, I totally understand what you're talking about, about the intensity of competition. I totally get it, you know. And, um, you know, I mean, that's one of the things that resonated when I was reading your essay. It was like, yeah, yeah. I laughed when you were talking about that one guy that you were playing. You said, I don't fear you. And I, I laughed out loud. It was like a belly laugh. It was hilarious. <laughs> um, you know, because I understood the dynamic, you know, it was like, oh, Jesus, give me a break. You know, it's, you know, I mean, could you telegraph your weakness anymore? Uh, you know, do you not understand mm-hmm. how the game is played? <laughs> you know, and, and right. you know, again, I was a sprinter and you have to understand in track and field, different event groups uh, are made up of very, very unique and specific personalities. Uh, my son is a very, very talented intercollegiate jumper, you know that's a very unique personality. (laughs) Uh, You know, jumpers are are one way. Sprinters are one way. Um, They tend to be not very bright, by the way, Um, uh, which probably explains a lot about me, but you know, it's, 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 you know, the distance guys, that's a whole other world that has nothing to do. It's, it's a totally, you know, interesting, a whole, you know, interesting dichotomy. But how do you um, feel? How do you feel the things you wrote about, I mean, it sounds like you revisited something you hadn't thought about. You know, it's interesting. We did 
different things. You revisited something that you hadn't thought about in a while, and that provided some insights. I, 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 it was no revisit for me. I mean, I'm in this stuff every day, so it's in me <clears throat> all the time. So that's different. How do you feel um, that stuff then as you came out from writing about it, how it shaped you, who you are now? Wow, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Um, um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, you know, as somebody who I, – yeah, I mean, you have to understand the context. Um, when I was tested, when I was in third grade, and they found out that I was dyslexic and dysgraphic, and I'm sitting outside of, of, of the office of the guy who – the psychologist who actually did all the educational testing, all the neurodiagnostic testing. He's talking to my parents, and he's saying – and I'm overhearing this stuff. And he's saying, you know, look, if we can get this kid through high school, you know, we should raise a flag and declare victory. And either I was too naive or too arrogant to actually, you know, buy that. Thank God. Um, we're stupid, you know, to, 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 mm-hmm. you know, to pay that, you know, any mind. Um, and, and thank God. Um, you know, and people, people, uh, wonder why I, I, I have such a fixation on irony, <laughs> right? For a living. On what? <laughs> that a I write for what? a I'm living, sorry. you know. A fixation, a fixation on what? Fixation on irony. Irony. How could you not? A thing. A How thing could you not? Irony, if, you know. Yeah, of course. You know, it's like, this is like the most ridiculous thing that could have possibly have happened to me. I mean, it's hilarious. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's a goof. Um, but you know, uh, you know, to quote Charles Sonny Liston, life, a funny thing. Um, yeah, that's interesting though, that, that, uh, yeah, looking back on all that, I mean, it's, um, um, cause at the time it obviously was, 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 you know, it was like traversing a minefield on a daily basis, but you know, it, 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 I guess it kind of, you know, it all, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's obviously a little easier to laugh about it now. Um, <laughs> Because I know how it turned out, um, uh, you know I, I, I I'm not dead or in jail. Uh, I, things could have gone a lot worse, um, and you know um, it's interesting. Now, when you say that you still live in that world, um, I mean you've been out of it, even though you're still in. No, but I write about tennis for a living. What, I write about what, tennis for a living. Yeah, I know, but you you, but it's not quite the same. Um, no, but you're, I'm thinking you know, about you're, tennis you're, and its meaning. But you're not um, going to war you, the way you did, which is a little bit different. That's true. I'm not or is playing. It? Or is but, it not? But, or is it? Oh, but see, but see, no, what I'm asking, you, you hadn't thought of Dr. Demento for 30 years, and then you came back to it to think about its meaning to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that, and so I'd be curious, I'm curious to know how that then uh, shaped you. Um, uh, well, you know, I, I, you know, and also, you know, frankly, at the time, I had no idea how how incredibly important it was. Obviously, I didn't have that self awareness that, that it was as important as it was. I mean, I knew it was important, but I didn't know, how, you know, I, I didn't really understand, and I don't think, you know, the ins and outs of that until, you know, probably now. I hadn't really thought about it that way. Um, mm-hmm. It was enormously important, and and. Uh, you know that 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 event that took place uh, that that sort of you know planted that seed of understanding, as it were, with, with, with my mom. I mean, that really did happen. Um, and uh, you know, where I I you know, it was a song on a radio show that 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 
right. led to me finding out uh, about my mom's history as a you know as a Holocaust survivor, which I, stuff that I did not know that had not been discussed, and it was a song on a freaking radio show that that led to that conversation. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the themes in that essay is 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 uh, how life's expectations get violated, but sometimes in really pretty wonderful ways. And 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 that was that one. That one was a beaut. Um, and you know, I'm I'm sure you've had that experience on a few occasions yourself. Oh no, uh, for sure. But in my, in my case, what's is, is that I've what I meant by it being all the time is that I ended up. I write about tennis. I think about tennis. I mean, I spent 20 years in different forms um, pondering a book about Jimmy Connors. So there's this extension of it. So it's not like, see, it's it's not like, wow, I hadn't thought about tennis in a while. I mean, I'm thinking about tennis every day about its impact right. to the world and its impact right. to my world and, and different things and different phrases. I mean, even that, the, the, the Connors signature line where he says, what's he got is something I, I have friends. I use that line. All, all we use that line all the time. I mean, I'll meet someone, I'll meet someone who, who tells me that his, uh, his friend or someone he knows is, is, uh, one is, is creative and wants to be a writer. And I'll just go, I go, what's he got? Can he write a paragraph? Can he write a sentence? Can he write a sentence every day for 10 years? Right. You know, you kind know what? Of that whole, let me ask you. Let me ask you this, because you know I've had I, there are people that I had as teammates when I was 10, 11, 12, 13, 15, 17 years old who say were teammates who say, you know what, you are in so many ways the same guy you were on the track, on the basketball court, as you know that so many of the things that made you work, you know, and made you competitive there, you you still you're the same guy. I'm just curious if those things that 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 made you successful as a tennis player, or or maybe got in your way, are are you know, are are those things that that that, that still very much sort of shape who you are now. And, I think and, and I think are, so for are, better or worse. A big part of for better and for worse. For better or worse, yeah. I mean, kind of a certain kind of um, in tennis, a certain type of independence, a certain type of a certain type of uh, a, dis- guard- a guarded quality at times because tennis, everyone, there, there aren't teammates, and but very much a certain type of self-reliance, a certain type of self-starter, a certain kind of being ambitious. Yeah, many of those kind of, many of those kind of things surface. And hopefully as adults, we refine those good things and, and put aside or, compar- or put or reduce some of those those things that get in the way, right? Those less helpful mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. But well, I mean, yeah, the one, and, and, the one thing that, that I was just going to say the one the one thing that, that track and tennis have in very much in common is you know you win alone, you lose alone. It's all on right. you, one way or the other. That's right. It's and, not about, and that's it's not about your teammates. You know, you fuck up, it's on you. You win, you win. Well, yeah, and here we are as writers, and writers, writing is a, writing is like singles. In a certain kind of way, you know, I don't. I, I definitely I work with organizations sometimes, but and I know when I work in television, that's more of a team process than the individual aspect of writing articles or books right. or pieces. And so that's that's right. its different kind of thing. So it has its. Uh, it definitely loses its impact. What's always interesting, though, is uh, like, okay, are we the same who we were like when we were kids, 
don't we grow? Are we supposed to grow? Are we, do, do we change or do we grow? How does all that work? So that's kind of that's that's an interesting theme. For example, in the in the piece about my high school that David did, that's an interesting thing to look at with let's say people who were together at one point, then you look at them 30, 40 years later, and are they different? Are they grown? Are they essentially the same? Their nature, right? Well, you know, what's interesting. Uh, I, 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 David and I had a very interesting conversation a few weeks ago. Um, we were having lunch, and he mentioned something. This is really kind of interesting. He mentioned that, uh, that in, I guess, uh, among his circle of friends in high school, um, that and a ridiculously high number of kids who are high school sweethearts or who've known each other maybe even longer than that, who got married like after high school or around college, but who go back, you know, to childhood or high school or whatever, are still married to this day. Those marriages, a ridiculously high number of those marriages work. And mm-hmm. that's really very, very interesting. And you talk about, you know, do we change? Do we evolve? And if so, how? And, and, and right. when you're in a sort of this dyadic situation, well, how, how does that work? How does that play out? Right. You know, so, yeah, you, that's a, you, know, you ask a really interesting, it's a really intriguing question. No, that is interesting. So this is, this is good stuff. So I think, uh, God, I think it, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to, to meet and talk with other people, you know, uh, read more of the other pieces, yeah. right? So... So this is great. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I've enjoyed. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Joe. I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed talking to you. This is good. Absolutely. I've enjoyed it. Big time. Uh, look forward to uh, look forward to seeing you on the 18th. Okay, great. Terrific. This is I'm, I'm Joel Drucker. I have a piece on uh, growing up playing tennis in L.A. in the 70s. And I'm Michael Lazaro. I have a piece uh, about uh, Dr. Demento uh, in the 1970s. Um, and this is in... Um, uh, the anthology Los Angeles in the 70s, weird scenes inside the gold mine. Thank you all very much. Joel, nice talking to you. Likewise.